Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Today is Saturday, October 5th, 2019. On this day in 1838, 17-year-old Mary Cecilia Rogers was reported missing by the New York Sun. Thankfully, she returned unharmed, but it was a harbinger of tragedy to come. Three years later, Mary Rogers was murdered. Her killer was never identified. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we flip back the calendar to this date years ago and recount one event from true crime history. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today we're covering Mary Cecilia Rogers, a local celebrity in 1830s New York City nicknamed the Beautiful Cigar Girl. She went missing twice in the span of three years. The second time, she was found floating in the Hudson River, having been brutally violated. Her unsolved murder became the subject of tabloid fascination and inspired Edgar Allan Poe to write the first true crime fiction story. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Let's go back to the morning of October 5th, 1838, when Mary Rogers disappeared the first time. It was cool that morning, but it wouldn't last long. The last tendrils of summer warmth would take hold once the sun came up all the way. 
Miss Mary Cecilia Rogers, famed beauty of Lower Manhattan, quietly stepped out the front door of her mother's boarding house, wrapped only in a shawl. Luckily, the street was still empty. She looked one more time in her small carpet bag, a framed photo of her mother rested on top of her clothes. Fondest farewell, Mama. Then she stepped off the front stoop, and she was gone. A few hours later, her mother, Phoebe, came to wake her up for work, but Mary's bed was empty, the blankets neatly made. Immediately, Phoebe feared for her teenage daughter's chastity. She worried. Had Mary slept in her own bed that night? Phoebe never should have let her daughter work in that cigar shop. The longer Mary stood behind the counter at John Anderson's Tobacco Emporium, the more Phoebe had seen a change in her. She'd discovered what all girls do once they become women, how to please, to smile, to charm, to bend the will of the man in front of her. Phoebe had learned that lesson herself with her first husband, employing her wiles when he needed convincing. It was one of the few advantages a poor woman had, and Mary clearly relished her newfound power. It made Mary feel special, having all these men wrapped around her finger. She applied her charms to any man who wandered up to her cigar counter, any bum with a nickel. A few had even written her love poems, one night, Mary came home full of pride over a man who'd spent the entire day in the shop, smoking cigar after cigar, just to keep exchanging glances with her over the counter. But Phoebe knew that Mary would end up giving one of them the wrong idea. One of them would inevitably think he was in love with her, and Mary, that foolish girl, would probably believe she loved them too. And now... She was gone from her bed. Then Phoebe saw it, sitting on the dressing table, a piece of folded stationery addressed to Mama in Mary's handwriting. Oh God, thought Phoebe, she's actually eloped. But when Phoebe read the letter, her heart dropped even further. Mary didn't write about a mystery fiance or a secret engagement. Instead, she hoped her mother could understand why she had to go away and asked her not to be sad, even though they'd never see each other again. Panicked, Phoebe sent messengers all over the city. They had to find Mary immediately. When Mrs. Hayes, Phoebe's sister, read the letter, she concluded Mary planned to do something much worse than run away. She thought the letter read like a suicide note. Fearing the worst, Mrs. Hayes brought the letter to the local police coroner. He agreed with the assessment. The young Miss Mary Rogers was clearly hell-bent on her own destruction. She must have run away to harm herself. By the afternoon, the entirety of Lower Manhattan mourned the loss of the beautiful cigar girl. Paperboys waved copies of the New York Sun that reported on Mary, crowing about her mysterious disappearance. Soon, the New York Journal of Commerce picked up the story. When the male patrons of John Anderson's Tobacco Emporium read the reports that Mary was gone and likely dead, they immediately ran to the cigar shop to see if it was true. 
they stuffed themselves into the tiny store on Nassau Street, lighting up the highest-priced cigars in her honor, clouds of sweet smoke billowing onto the streets. They clapped each other's backs and lamented. The likes of Miss Mary Cecilia Rogers would never be seen again. Until late that night, when the front door to Phoebe Rogers' boarding house opened. Phoebe didn't look up from her crying, but could hear the clack of heels approaching. A comforting hand rested on her shoulder. Mama, what's wrong? It was Mary Rogers, alive and unharmed. Coming up, Miss Mary Cecilia Rogers goes missing again, and this time doesn't return. Now back to the story. On October 5th, 1838, 17-year-old Mary Rogers, known as the Beautiful Cigar Girl, was reported missing by her mother, Phoebe. The disappearance of the local celebrity sent Manhattan into a frenzy, one that was only eclipsed by Mary's sudden reappearance. The whole affair was written off as an elaborate hoax. Mary claimed not to know anything about the supposed suicide note. Some suggested it was a ploy by Mary's boss, John Anderson, to drum up more business for his cigar shop. The shop was popular with journalists and writers, men like Washington Irving, James Fenimore Cooper, and Edgar Allan Poe. When the usual crowd of writers stopped in that morning and Anderson told them Mary had disappeared, they immediately ran to the presses. The following day, both the New York Sun and the New York Journal of Commerce printed retractions. The latter accused Mary Rogers of eloping with a man from the cigar shop, described as a gallant gay Lothario. When the elopement fell through, she tried to cover it up with the hoax. In reality, she was visiting a friend in Brooklyn. If it was staged, it doesn't appear that Phoebe Rogers was in on the ruse. Her panic over her daughter's disappearance was very real. This would make sense given her background. 55-year-old Phoebe lived her entire life in the rural town of Lyme, Connecticut until 1837. After losing two husbands and three children, Phoebe was in dire financial straits. Like many other widows at the time, she and her last surviving daughter, Mary, moved to New York City in search of better prospects. Phoebe opened a boarding house and Mary went to work in the cigar shop. This put Mary in a relatively new social space. Before the late 1830s, American shop cashiers were exclusively male. It was work seen as unseemly for women. But America was at the beginning of an economic depression, and jobs were scarce, so women took work where they could find it. The New York Weekly Herald wrote of women shopkeepers, something should be done instantly to remedy the great evil consequent upon very beautiful girls being placed in cigar and confectionery stores. Designing rich rascals drop into these places, buy cigars and sugar plums, gossip with the girl, and ultimately affect her ruin. John Anderson believed that having Mary behind the counter would attract better business, even if it was unusual. It created a mythos around her, an intriguing oddity for men and women, 
the beautiful cigar girl. Therefore, when she went missing a second time on July 25, 1841, the city of New York again held their breath. Perhaps it was just another hoax. But three days later, her body was found in the Hudson River. She'd been beaten and strangled to death. According to reports, her features were scarcely visible. So much violence had been done to her. She presented the most horrible spectacle that the eye could see. If the local public was flooded with grief over her disappearance three years prior, now they were overcome by a tidal wave of emotion and speculation. The writers and journalists that knew Mary reported heavily on her murder, making her one of the first tabloid sensations. Mary's fiancé at the time, Daniel Payne, was immediately suspected of her murder, but there was no evidence he had anything to do with the crime. At the time of Mary's death, he was at home with her mother, Phoebe. However, he came under so much scrutiny in the weeks following, he fell into alcoholism. Then, on October 7, 1841, two months after Mary's murder, Daniel died by suicide poisoning himself with laudanum. Police found a note on his body that read, To the world, here I am on the very spot. May God forgive me for my misspent life. To many, this confirmed Daniel's guilt. But this is unlikely, given that Mary's own mother was his alibi. A year after his death, another possible answer emerged. Frederica Loss owned a tavern near where Mary's body was discovered in the Hudson. Shortly after the murder, her sons found some of Mary's clothing and a handkerchief in the woods. Frederica told police that she'd seen Mary in the tavern with a man shortly before she died, but that she didn't see any trouble between the couple. However, on Frederica's deathbed, she changed her story. She admitted that Mary Rogers came to her tavern for an illegal abortion. She wasn't murdered, but died from complications after the procedure. Worried that she would face criminal charges for the abortion, Frederica instructed her son to sink the body in the river. But this explanation doesn't account for the severe beating inflicted on Mary Rogers. The coroner reported that Mary was sexually assaulted by several assailants. Moreover, Frederica was in a state of delirium on her deathbed, in and out of lucidity. Therefore, the credibility of her statement is suspect. Author Edgar Allan Poe was plagued by the unanswered mystery. He eventually adapted the case into a short story called The Mystery of Marie Roget. In his version, Mary was seduced by a young naval officer and agreed to run away with him. When his affections soured, he murdered her. There are many theories on what actually happened to Mary Rogers. Some have even suggested that Poe might have been responsible, given his obsession with her murder and the need to provide an answer, even if only in fiction. But unlike her first disappearance, Mary Rogers' murder will never be solved.
Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on the murder of Mary Rogers, check out our episodes of Unsolved Murders that delve deeper into the investigation and theories about her death. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson